Well, thanks so much for joining us here on Cranford Radio. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. Today, we're going to be talking about an initiative that's been going on in Cranford since about 2020. It is called the Equity and Inclusivity Initiative. And we're going to be talking about the initiative itself, as well as a survey which recently went out, which is seeking feedback from the community. Before we get started, I want to introduce the uh, folks who are here. We have Police Chief Ryan Greco from the Cranford Police Department. Sherry Williams, she is a citizen here in Cranford, a longtime citizen, and I should point out, an old classmate of mine. Reverend Alfred Brown from the First Baptist Church here in Cranford. Kathleen Miller-Prunty, she is a commissioner on the Township Committee. Scott Rubin, he is the superintendent of schools, and Dr. Christopher Chapman. Thank you all for being part of the podcast. Thank you for having us. The best place to start, I suppose, is to talk about what is this initiative for those who aren't familiar with it. Who wants to give me just a quick overview, if you can, of what this initiative is before we get into some more details about what it involves? Thanks uh, for the question, Bernie. You listen, it, it won't surprise you that it's a uh, it's a collaborative effort because uh, most things uh, in, in Cranford are. Uh, but this truly is a collaborative effort among um, individuals, organizations in Cranford uh, who are committed to ensuring an equitable and inclusive community for everyone. We, we got together uh, right after the uh, horrific um, George Floyd incident. Uh, and we just sort of talked amongst ourselves and asked ourselves, you know, what could we do as a whole community to ensure that everyone, you know, feels that Cranford is an equitable and inclusive environment? And we thought that creating a townwide strategic strategic plan made sense. You know, uh, at its core, it it seeks to find out where we are now, uh, determine where we would like to be in in five years, uh, and then create an action plan on on how to get there. And you know, a strategic plan, you know, by definition, really provides for all interested community members, you know, to be a part of that. So, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We're slowed down by the by the pandemic. Um, you know, uh, we actually sent out a rough draft of, at that point, the mission, vision, and values uh, and goals a long time ago and actually received, you know, great support from the community. Uh, but, you know, we we provided opportunity for feedback. So there were lots of uh, thoughts that needed to be, you know, valued and considered and that people want us to think about. Uh, so we went back to uh, with our respective groups uh, because we're just representatives, but we we asked anyone that was interested in joining these action planning groups to, uh, to participate and and got some nice participation uh, from the community. Uh, but they asked us to take a look at some things. And then we also uh, included action planning components. So uh, now we're back out, very anxious to uh, to hear what the community has to say. Uh, one thing very important, though, that, that I'd be remiss if I didn't add is that we are a not-for-profit 501c3 group, you know, making recommendations here. Um, I know it's confusing because lots of us wear, you know, multiple hats here, uh, you know, that we're participating on this community, I'm, uh, this committee, but I'm also a superintendent. Um, you know, again, the, the the Board of Education sets the policy for the school district. The Township Committee, you know, uh, sets the policies for the community and, and, and the same with our respective organizations. So we're just a recommending body and participate as, as private citizens, as, you know, uh, but also uh, wear multiple hats in the community. Dr. Chapman, I think you bring something of a unique perspective to this group. You were a former police officer here in Cranford, and you now have your doctorate. You have been instrumental in terms of kind of serving as a moderator, if you will, of some of the events that have taken place with this. Tell us a little bit about how and why you got involved with this initiative, if you would, please. Great, great, great question. So right after the events dealing with George Floyd, 
Um, I'm not even sure if it was uh, Chief Ryan or Superintendent Rubin contacted me and they talked about the group that they wanted to put together. And when they started talking about what they what the goal of the organization or the, the group was, I said, sure, I, I'd, uh, I'd love to be a part of it. And I think that I'm um, positioned in a way where we talked about that um, or I talk about this thing called multiple marginality. Right where you where you try to coexist in two environments at the same exact time, right? Being a person that understands the difficulties and and how difficult it is to be a police officer, but then also to be a minority male because that's the first thing someone sees when they see me. I kind of get both sides of it, you know, understanding both sides of it. And there's times where, you know, from at the barbershop, if you see me now, I have no hair, but sometimes I just stop into the barbershop just to be rejuvenated, just to have just to have conversations. And some of the conversations that we have at the barbershop or have with uh, with other, you know, black males uh, where I understand where their perception of racism and discrimination and why police do certain things. But then on the other side, when we look when I look at things from a legalistic standpoint or from a standpoint based on the um, policies and procedures of the police department or law enforcement you know, within the United States, I see both sides of it. And there and I think that sometimes uh, or I hope to be able to bridge the gap, to be able to bring, you know, these two different groups or different um, ways of thinking um, together. And, and just I think a perfect example is when we were at the community center um, where we had people that had different viewpoints and i think some people had you know strong different viewpoints and and my thing is that i, I want those people in the room because if we're and i think dr rubin i think reverend brown said it as well if we're only speaking to like-minded people well we're really not doing it i think we're, we're preaching to the choir you know people that already get it but i think to have an opportunity to speak with people that have other have different viewpoints see things differently than we see them and to understand you know to have empathy doesn't mean that i that i agree but it means that i can see things from your perspective i think that collectively as from our group because we have you know again we have all different life experiences where we can um, have a meaningful conversation and maybe bring some people i like to say from the dark side into the light chief greco let me ask you uh Dr. Chapman mentioned that you were one of the people that reached out to him to get his involvement. Obviously, the George Floyd murder involved law enforcement officials in Minnesota, of course, not here in New Jersey. But there obviously was a lot of attention being paid to relations between law enforcement in general and the Black community. How did that affect you personally and the Cranford Police Department more widely and why did you see it was so important to be involved with an initiative like this? Well, starting my 24th year in law enforcement a month ago, um, I've seen so many different incidences, not in, specifically in Cranford, but throughout the country that has affected law enforcement in general. Um, and talking about starting an initiative such as this, I brought up the um, fact of sustainability. Like, you know, law enforcement tends to be a pendulum. An incident might happen somewhere where there's reforms and whatnot um, affecting law enforcement, and then something happens like a spike in crime, and and now we have to address it. So it's no different than in right after 9/11, you know, law enforcement officers and, and firefighters could do no wrong. Like they just for putting on that uniform, they were revered in the community. Um, and then after the events that happened in Minneapolis with, with the murder of George Floyd, there's nothing we could do as right. Um, our, our agency is accredited 
Um, I'm proud of our agency and jumping feet first into an initiative like this and then spinning off to the Cranford Police Advisory Board, I wanted to show our community in, in general that we tend to do things right at the Cranford Police Department. And right after the events of George Floyd, there was many an emails and many phone calls that I had received about how are we going to assure that this won't happen in Cranford. So countless hours on the phone and, and, and corresponding to emails um, kind of brought us to where we are today. Uh, hopefully that the, the residents of Cranford specifically, um, the visitors of Cranford, uh, you know, like our college environment at, at Union College, where we've um, gotten, you know, had coffee with a cop is, is helping us as the Cranford Police Department, uh, getting the community to understand what we do here. Commissioner Prunty, for most of this initiative, you were serving as the mayor of Cranford. The Township Committee, what's their role in this whole initiative in terms of trying to bring about this unity, this discussion, this conversation in the township? The Township Committee has to be involved in this. And I'm proud um, to have been part of it. And my uh, colleagues on the Township Committee, while they may not have you know, participated every step of the way, certainly are also supportive. You know, both Chief Greco and, and Dr. Chapman commented on making sure we reach out to, uh, to other people. We're not just talking to ourselves. Um, it'd be very easy to do. So as township representatives, we have to do the same thing. One of the issues and that came up was um, making sure that the township was reaching out or knew how to reach out to uh, attract job applicants that that typically don't consider, you know, applying in Cranford or maybe because we're not reaching them. So, you know, I remember having discussions about how we do that. Uh, you know, maybe we're maybe we you know shouldn't be just advertising in the traditional places that we do. Find other ways to reach people. Frankly, even just young people aren't looking in. <laughs> for jobs the way we did. I remember after that discussion thinking, well, that's, that's the easy part. That's the mechanics, figuring out you know, where to reach people. The bigger question, and, this, and, and what we really need to make sure of, is that we have both a work environment in municipal buildings, departments, et cetera, and in a community that in fact is welcoming, that someone says, I want to work there. I feel good about it. I went on the interview and I felt, you know, they were talking to me simply about what I could bring to the table, my skills. So I think it really is important for the township to be very active participants in this. In addition, we have been, I really have been very proud to be part of activities that are run by you know, whether they were our police department, fire department, our downtown management corporation, or other organizations in town. And the township stood side by side with each of those and support publicly, vocally supported these initiatives and being present and being visible and saying, yep, those of us who you've charged with running the township are 100% in, 100%. Reverend Brown, as I mentioned in the introduction, you are the pastor of the First Baptist Church here in Cranford, but you're also part of the Cranford Clergy Council. For those who aren't aware, there is a council made up of many of the clergy members from various houses of worship from around town. 
I think people look to houses of worship as sort of the moral backbone in many ways for a, a town. Tell me a bit about how the clergy play a role in all of this, if you would, please. Well, I think it's quite interesting that we're now in an environment where um, people less and less look to the religious institutions for moral direction. But um, it is our calling and our responsibility, though, to using Dr. Chapman's phrase, lead people to the light, to talk about high ground in terms of human relations, how we get along, um, how we interact with one another, how to respect people whose uh, lifestyles or, or values differ from ours. We, we do come across sometimes as authority figures uh, because we, we do follow a standard that is set for us in terms of trying to raise the barrier, let's say, or raise the ceiling, let's say, on, on human values and the like. And so we desire that for the entire community. I think that uh, uh, reconciliation is just a part of the agenda for those of us in the, in the religious community. You know, to understand that we're different people with different attitudes, different values, different backgrounds, but we're here together. And and uh, we're always working to for the goal of establishing a, a genuine sense of community. I think that's something that's central to all of us. And so we're constantly, even within our congregations, uh, dealing with what people profess and how people behave. You know, so uh, in a sense, though, though we preach peace, we're we're in conflict. We're dealing with conflict there. Even uh, sometimes, folks don't want us to tell them that. Well, you know, the Holy Scripture says so and so. So, um, you know, we're we're constantly in a position where we're reconciling, remediating a number of issues, and so community is very much a part of what we're all about. Sherry, you are here. I guess it would be fair to say as a private citizen. You don't have a particular position in the township, like the superintendent of schools or the police chief or something like that. Tell me why you decided that you wanted to be involved with this initiative. Well, I came back to Cranford some time ago when I raised my kids here, and I've dabbled in a couple of committees in Cranford, the Centennial Avenue Committee when it first came out. And then I'm also a member of the Senior Housing Board, which I took my father's position. So it was all good and well. And then um, you do a little things in Cranford every now and then, hoping that you're going to positively impact the environment that you find yourself in. And I thought that Cranford had changed. And then I realized when my daughter was going to school and she came home one day and told me the same statement that I got when I was in school, that I realized that I had to go back to school in order to hopefully be able to make an educational impact because I went back for my master's and that hasn't developed, but watching the evolution of Cranford, which is still unfortunately sort of like it was when we went to school and the makeup is sort of like that. I was hoping that with this, if nothing else, if I couldn't get into school that community wise, I could make a difference and it became even more important after George Floyd. While the George Floyd murder was the initiating factor that caused the creation of this particular initiative. Is it fair to say this is not just involving race? There are other groups in the community that this is also trying to involve as far as equity and inclusivity? I think so. I think that it's it's more important for we to reach out to the community as all the stakeholders that participate in Cranford, regardless of whether or not they're minorities, uh, either by religion or race or 
gender or whatever. They're just all stakeholders in Cranford. And so therefore we want them all to be positively impacted by their experience within the Cranford community. I was going to say, you know, I struggled with the, with the point where if we think where I think about the, the civil rights movement, while there are other marginalized groups, but during the civil rights movement, a lot of other marginalized groups, I don't want to say hijacked, but, you know, benefited more than than the black folks that were being, you know, uh, oppressed and discriminated against. But to have an inclusive inclusivity in your name and to um want to bring want to represent everyone everyone's different viewpoints and everyone to feel like they have a safe place in town and, and i just want to go back I, george freud was I, I don't want to say that was the it was the starting point for this group and that and i think a lot of people mistakenly believe that that was the first but you know george floyd wasn't the first black person that was killed by the police so so this has been happening and happening and happening but again it was just I think the the impact where people now just actually saw it with their own eyes, you know, it was kind of, you know, where, and again, it, it's not a, a bad term, but the woke community, well, you know, Black people have never went to sleep, so we really don't need to be woke. So other people are just waking up to the nightmare that we have been living and things that we've known about. But that was kind of the springboard, you know, to the group. And, and I think we, we have to, we have to include everyone we have to include everyone. Uh, I think, like um, like Reverend Brown said before, different lifestyles, different different religions, different perspective on things. Um, you know, when we when we agree about everything, that's the easy work, right? That's the easy stuff when everyone agrees. But you know, what happens? And and I and I, I think you know, planting those seeds now, which I think which I which I commend the board of ed, the township committee, and the police department. You plant those seeds now with the community because inevitably, guess what? Something is going to happen, or someone is going to perceive something differently than which we meant it to mean but hopefully by by reaching out to the communities letting them know that we that we understand you know that we understand and we're trying to do things that when something does happen not if but when something does happen that we already have we've already started conversations and maybe those fires can be put out you know before they turn into huge flames you know if i can just add something also you know when when dr rubin began one of the first things he said was, you know, we wanted to work on something that was, had sustainability. This isn't for a year or two or three or even five. And so, you know, I think we're all committed to that. I think of like children. I have two grandchildren who are five and seven. And they are just growing up in a different place, a different time. So much, they are so much more open and accepting and, and I think to myself, that is wonderful. Many of them being raised by parents who are open and, and welcoming. But to the sustainability point, we need to make sure we have a community where that continues, that these beautiful children of five, seven, nine, ten 10, uh, grow into adults who are still just as welcoming and accepting and as, as they are today. And that burden doesn't just fall on the school system. And we've talked about that often. You know, where does it begin and end? In the home, in the community, in school? It's everywhere. I want to build on that point a little because you have a traumatic event like the George Floyd murder. And there have been others, obviously, in recent history. And there's a great deal of energy that's created by those kinds of events. And there are 
protests and various things that take place. But how do you maintain that energy for the long run, that sustainability that you were talking about, Commissioner Prunty? How do you maintain that when that remembrance of this is not as fresh in people's minds? It's not the top thing that they're thinking about necessarily. There has to be a persistence for those who are committed to the improvement of human relations. You know, it it can't be a fad. People change their wardrobe because things are out of style when they're still usable. And we cannot afford to do that with issues such as these. I think the last decade or so, we've gone backwards in terms of human relations. So I think it requires persistence on the part of those who are committed to, to these causes. This initiative, I think, is extremely timely and extremely important. And I'm really hoping that we can gain the heart and attention of the entire community to engage in the dialogue and the projects that will that we hope will lead us closer to the goals that we've that we're setting. I think that one of the reasons that I actually decided to agree to be on the committee is that they assured me that this would have to be like a splash in the pan. And so therefore, um, if I had thought that it wasn't going to be a more honest uh, approach to the issues at hand that was definitely brought up by George Floyd, but it's also underneath everything that sits on top of that. And they were not going to be honest about what we might have to discuss and approach. And I think that we have done that, which is also, I think, helping to keep us to sustain where we are because we're not backing away from the conversations. We're yielding to each other. We're open to each other, but we're approaching conversations that have to be discussed. And the fact that I'm a Cranford cheerleader, you have to stay optimist that the fact is, is that you've got to ex- exceed somewhere, sometime along the way, because otherwise, why do it? And I would just share that, you know, um, and I don't want to uh, um, trivialize it, but, you know, I've explained it in this way uh, to some folks that, you know, at its core, if you if you close your eyes, there's no one that can't recall a time where they felt excluded or they didn't belong. Right at one point or another, it's ubiquitous. Everyone, everyone has had that that feeling, and it's a, and it's a terrible feeling. Um, and so, at its core, we're just trying to make sure that our community is one where where everyone feels welcome. Right, where you know, Cranford is a wonderful place, uh, and we want to make sure that everyone feels welcome and feels good about who they are. That's it. This initiative has put forth some goals that were mentioned. How do you measure progress with something like this? Is it numbers or is it more amorphous than that? I think it's a combination of both. You know, we've been talking about having a uh, a survey dealing with uh, citizens' perceptions of different you know, different areas of the township. I think it's, you know, for the police department, it may be, you know, less calls for the suspicious black man that's walking, you know, that, that's walking in the neighborhood, you know, wearing a PSC&G hat or the or that's really the mailman or maybe it's maybe it's um you know less graffiti people marking up um religious buildings or putting swastikas or things about the town or maybe it's just citizens just saying you know what you know it just feels really good to walk downtown or my kids that were there back on the Baja ride their bicycles you know that that there's no name calling and they they all feel inclusive so I so I think you know anecdotally we you can think if there's been improvement you can look at numbers but then you can also look at uh, qualitative types of things just just a general environment. 
Let me ask perhaps a question that maybe I should have asked at the opening. This is called an equity and inclusivity initiative. Who wants to explain to me what the difference is between equity and equality? I'll take a stab at it. What I, the way that I, that I, that I explain it is that um, there's nothing wrong with being equal and there's nothing wrong with um, having uh, equality. Uh, and I think usually the general picture or form that you may see, if you have three kids that are standing at a baseball field and there is a, um, a wooden fence, fence is maybe about six foot high. Uh, you can't see through it. One person's maybe four feet tall. Next person's maybe five feet tall. And a third person may be six feet tall. So we have three people and we want to treat them equally, right? They can't really see over the fence. So we have three boxes. So we give each person one box. They stand on the, they stand on the box. The person that's five feet tall can see just a little bit. The person that's six feet tall can see, you know, way over it. But the person that's four feet tall still can't see over it. That's treating everyone equally. But again, when we talk about um, equality, where we want to put people in a position where they have, where where they're able to be successful, maybe the person at six feet tall, maybe they don't need a box. Maybe we give two boxes to the person that's four feet tall, so they can actually see over the fence. So it, it's it's the process of putting individuals in a position where they have the opportunity to be successful um, in different endeavors. On January 9th, a survey went out to the township. Tell us a little bit about what you're looking for in that survey and what's going to be done with the results of that survey, if you would, please. Sure. So that survey went out uh, January 9th. Um, we're going to uh, have it open uh, for three weeks. So it'll close on uh, Friday, January 27th. Uh, and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll notice that on that survey, um, you know, there's opportunities for people to put, you know, open-ended, you know, so there's comments and, uh, you know, thoughts that they can provide. And so all, all thoughts uh, deserve to be, uh, you know, valued and, and carefully considered. And we'll use that to, um, you know, uh, you know, make uh, final uh, edits, you know, towards the strategic plan. We're hoping that uh, we can get to a place where there is a, you uh, you know, uh, a large majority of folks who are who are supportive of this, in which case then uh, we can start implementing that plan and providing people with updates. You know, at the end, uh, when we do get the survey results, we will share that information out with the community and then hopefully use those results to finalize uh, the survey and continue uh, the work and see if we can get more and more people involved in helping to uh, implement the plan. And then obviously you talked about this a little bit earlier, Bernie, but there are some, you know, you, you know, the plan without benchmarks and, and and being able to chart progress and being able to go back and, and make adjustments as necessary too, um, you know, uh, would not work. So uh, obviously along the way, we would anticipate providing updates uh, to the community as well. And I should mention, if anyone has not received that survey, there will be a link in the show notes to the survey. So you will be able to click on that and get right to the survey. Dr. Rubin, you mentioned about people getting involved. For somebody who perhaps maybe is new to Cranford, they were unaware of this, or maybe they just have some more time now, they can get involved. How can people get involved with this? What are some of the different avenues? It's not just one avenue, there are different avenues that they can get involved. 
Bernie, thank you so much for uh, for the question. Uh, what what I would anticipate is when we um, send out the correspondence uh, with the results, uh, what we'll do is we'll also have we'll send out uh, another uh, email address uh, with the Cranford uh, Equity and Inclusivity uh, email address that people can uh, be a part of it. Uh, we'll also discuss maybe we can ask people again. We we had a a survey in the beginning where people. Uh, were able to not only tell us that they were interested, but also if there was a particular area of focus that they were interested in being a part of. You know, we've got four different goals here. It might be that people are interested in participating on one goal. Maybe it appeals to them more than the others. So they should be on the lookout for that around January. Uh, well, I guess the week after January 27th uh, with the results and more information uh, about how they can get involved. You did ask earlier about uh, how do we measure progress? Mm -hmm. uh, there's, I don't remember the details, but there was a, a, a myth, someone can tell me who the character was, a myth about a man who rolled a rock up the hill. And then I guess he got tired and it rolled back down the hill and he rolled it up again. You know, I forget exactly the name of the character. Um, measuring progress is an is a, is a interesting and complex task uh, because you have to reinforce, you have to reinforce the principles and the values and the goals that are out there um people's attitudes change uh, sometimes you know you get different players in the game in terms of the, the discussion um it's a broad-based initiative that's taking place so i wouldn't be so much concerned about reaching certain goals as i am about seeing progress and growth and i think i think that comes that that goes in spurts you know that's why i say that it has to be persistence just a commitment to the cause. I think that's really what's most important. And if we keep the issues before the community, um, you know, and and keep the dialogue going, we will see. We'll see. I think I expect to see great progress, but it won't it won't be a landslide type of thing. You know, where there's a sudden a completely different community, but you will see an enlightened community. I think you'll see a, a more highly motivated community. Uh, you'll see people more involved, and uh, and and relation. I believe relationships will improve. I believe in that. Well, with that, I want to thank you all for taking the time to chat with me about this initiative, about the survey, which I hope everyone who is listening to this will take the time to respond to that survey and give your input to what's going on, and not just that, but we'll follow up with what takes place after the results from the survey are released and stay involved with something like this. Thank you all, as well as the others who aren't part of this podcast, who have been involved with this initiative for your involvement, trying to make things better here in Cranford. And thank you so much for being my guests. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. Thank you, Bernie. <laughs>